1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm good. How about you? I'm good. Thank you for taking the last intro by yourself. Oh, yeah. I had a minor puppy emergency. Everything's fine.
1: Did you listen to it? Yeah. Yeah. My moment about Stephen King. uh uh-huh. really like, Yeah. away. <laughs> <agreed to wait. laughs>
2: well, because I was laughing. So we tell everyone, uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, it's Jill and I. It's at ProBookNerds. Yeah. I was laughing because you put out the first tweet about the episode and, like, didn't mention Stephen King <laughs> in your original tweet. I really thought about laugh.
1: it. I did think about it, but...
2: I'm not done sharing that. I'm I'm going to send it several times. I want to get Greg to be like, good point. Thanks. It was great joining you guys. Steven, you should join them. Yeah. We're just getting close, we're inching closer to all of our, all of our heroes.
1: <laughs> we do, you guys. We keep a, we keep a list. We do, so. We keep a list. Yeah.
2: Um, how was your fourth? We didn't even talk about that before we.
1: It was fun. It was at a cookout, at a family's, mm-hmm. members. Same. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. It was pretty quiet. I will say about the Greg Isles, we got a lot of good comments. People seems to really like that interview. We, we did. In
2: fact, there's one that you wanted to talk about. Somebody had a question.
1: Well, there was actually a question on um I think Dory's um, I'm lying, it was on Dory's. But one of our previous it it came with all of the other comments we get. Um one of our listeners, Mary, uh, had asked somebody, maybe it was Dory, um, or somebody else, had mentioned that they have fifteen library cards and Mary wanted to know how that could be because her library makes them show residency before they will give um, a patron a library card. Right. So I can't speak for every state or every library system, but I do know, I and I wanted to address this because Adam and I have actually mentioned it ourselves too, um, at least here in Ohio, Ohio residents can get a library card at any Ohio library. Right. You just have to show that you're an Ohio resident. So a lot of the... Um, Overdrive staff, I know for sure, have multiple library cards all across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every library is going to be very different. Some will let you pay for an out-of-state residency card. Um, some won't. It just depends Depends on the library. and yeah. A lot of it is residency-based.
2: Yeah, the overwhelming majority is residency-based. What I would say is if you're interested in, like, purchasing one, I think you, you could probably mm-hmm. just do a cursory Google search for, like, Purchasing a library card, and I, I know it's a lot of the larger ones. I think I think Free Library of Philadelphia might let you do it, um, mm-hmm. but there's a, but there are some out there that even if you don't have any connection to that area, you you can purchase one. And I think some might even be like purchase a, a digital version, maybe or... some
1: do. I think some will let you get just a digital version, so then you don't you know because it's digital material, you're not going to run the risk of not returning it right. or um whatever. So, yeah, that's some option too. You can get mm-hmm. just a digital version of a library card. Some I know will I think do short-term library cards if you're visiting from out of town. Mm-hmm. It really just depends on the library system and what they Yeah. But I are.
2: We tell people all the time like we have no part of the decision making process when libraries purchase content from overdrive so some of them have more than others so if you're at a library that doesn't have a large collection and you you know want to pay whether it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks i know it varies by the place but if you want to pay for a library card for the year from another place you can always do that you know maybe they'll have a larger collection so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so thanks mary for writing in that's a good point we sort of take for granted that we can get library cards from all. Oh, They one hundred
2: percent take for granted. We even just here in
1: Cleveland, yeah. like I, I have a library card. The two Cleveland has two super large library systems. There's Cleveland Public, and then Cuyahoga County Public Library, and I have library cards to both systems, and so I get access to many, many books. Yeah. I fully admit to playing hold against them. Uh huh. Put it on hold in both of them.
2: And not only that, but Cleveland has suburbs, and you yes. live in one, and I live in one, and so they each have their own public libraries. Correct. And exactly. they have branches yes. of the large. And that that happens too. Like if you live in New York City, for example, because I know we always use Cleveland as our example because we're from here. But right. if you live in New York, you can get an NYPL one. But if you also live in like the borough of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you can get the Brooklyn Public Library one. Yeah. Um. Queens has their own standalone library but there's also an NYPL branch yes in Queens. Yeah. So, so. You can get creative. There's definitely ways for just about everyone to get more than one library card. And do it. That even if you're paying a little bit, it's less than paying, you know, 20, 30 bucks pop per book. That's so. true. Um, oh, I will say speaking of paying for books, I I tweeted this as as us but this past <laughs> weekend, um, but I just it's a funny story so I thought I would share. So my wife and I went to um, a bookstore on Saturday, as we are wont to do. Anytime, like, I had to go buy a suit for some uh, weddings coming up because I don't I fit anymore. Um, yay, running. Uh, but we went. I went and bought the suit, and she's like, well, while we're here, we should go to the bookstore. And any excuse, we have to go to a bookstore. Um, and so we go in there, and there's a couple of books. And I'm actually going to give the authors a shout-out. So. One of them was Leigh Bardugo, who we love, and I, I got to sit down with. And she's amazing, and my wife got to meet her. And then there's Carrie Maniscalco, who has a book coming out later this year. That um, Her first one is called Stalking Jack the Ripper. I interviewed her at ALA while you were running around. Mm-hmm. So that'll come out in a while. The point being, we have these books because anytime we interview anyone, the publishers are pretty awesome about sending us advanced reader copies or just, you know, free versions of their books. So a lot of the books you and I read, we're very fortunate, whether it's through our library or through the publishers, we don't pay for them. My wife saw the books and grabbed them and was taking them to the register. I was like, hey, what are you doing, sweetie? We have those. <laughs> and she's like, uh, got to give the authors some love. So we now own several copies of Six of Crows and several copies of Socking Jack the Ripper, just because my wife is awesome and was like, we also need to buy these books. Yes, so.
1: that is appreciated so, by authors everywhere.
2: So, yeah. So if you like a book and you buy it and you read it on Overdrive and you want to go purchase it and give that author some love, I'm sure they'll very much appreciate it. So.
1: We will indeed. Okay,
2: anyway. On to the task at hand.
1: Wait, how can people get a hold of us? We should do that first. Yes. We usually forget at the end. Well, I mentioned Twitter, (laughs) at ProBookNerds,
2: and then if you want to email at ProfessionalBookNerds at com, that's also both of us. Um, If you want book recommendations, you are more than welcome to email us. If you want to comment on any of our episodes, you are more than welcome to do that. Uh, And then if you want to give us book recommendations, we always take them as well.
1: Absolutely. So...
2: Um, and all the books we're going to mention in this episode, we should get this out of the front too, because so I forget, in the show notes are going to be links to all of these books, so you don't have to fiercely or frantically write them down.
1: Right. Is that all the housekeeping? I think that is all the housekeeping. Cool.
2: Awesome. So, what are we doing today?
1: Um, today is our July books episode. Yay! Yay. Some of our regular listeners know every month, usually we do it at the end of the month, but we were at ALA last week, so. Yeah. That was just last week, wasn't it? Yeah. So... We're a little week behind. Um, but, so, yeah, every month we talk about some of the books that we, Adam and I, are really looking forward to that are coming out. Um, in this case, this month. Or I think some of mine might, might already be out. Um,
2: yeah, I think a couple of <laughs> mine came out this <laughs>
1: But, week. yeah, this is the monthly thing. So, definitely... Um, Look forward to future ones, and like I will. This.
2: And I will say, these remain I, my favorite mm-hmm. thing is looking. Like I looked last week, which was in the early of July. Like our biggest books for February one, it was still one of them. like the, the these seem to be popular. I think is they are. I keep doing them. I
1: think it's you know I think it's one of those things where again we take for granted because we're in the book industry, we know what's coming out um, far in advance, mm-hmm. um, and so. It's hard if you don't have access to all of that or if you're not really paying attention. You know, like librarians read trade journals where they talk about pre-pub releases and stuff like that. So you may not know these books are all coming out unless you like specifically follow certain authors. So yeah.
2: So rules are as follows. We always do this every month. But Jill and I will go back and forth with our lists. We have not told each other what books we have. We're usually pretty good at knowing which books the other one, like just by looking at ideas of what types of books coming out we're pretty good at guessing um i have nine this month
1: i have 12
2: <laughs> i didn't see last month i was long and so i couldn't
1: i cut some too because i just could have gone on and on i stopped
2: myself yeah because i ran out of time and I, I had to
1: do my I, own job. i had to cut some so maybe there's more time we'll see if i can remember what they were and i got
2: several Well, i mean that's fine well you might as well go through them all it's not a big deal okay um i have like four or five YA ones this month.
1: That's fine. Mine are a lot of marriage thrillers. Spoiler alert. So.
2: I don't think we'll overlap on those. I'd, probably not. That's just not my jam. Right. All right. Well, since you have more, the floor is yours. Okay.
1: So I'm actually going to start with one that I talked about um, in our last episode from ALA because I read it while we were in <laughs> Chicago. Um, but B.A. Paris, her book, um, The Breakdown, is coming out this month. And it is so good. If you, um, she wrote Behind Closed Doors, which came out last year, I believe, at least came out last year in the U.S. Um, and she writes the marriage thriller genre, you know, um, of which there's Girl on the Train, Gun Girl. That's, that's sort of what I'm talking about when I say marriage thriller. I know some people found Behind Closed Doors a little intense because of the subject matter, which is entirely fair. A bit. It was a bit intense. I mean, it was, whew. That was a rough read, um, but the breakdown is not quite as bad with regard to the subject matter. It's not, um, yeah. Just give it a try if you uh-huh. like that genre of books. Um, I I loved it, so.
2: Well, and if people aren't sold on your description, which I would be because I well, I know about it, but um, she'll be on she'll, her episode of the podcast will come out in like two weeks when yeah, the book comes out. Book so comes out. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe she can sell you on it. Yeah. Uh, my first one is called Because You Love to Hate Me. While I'm talking about this, you should look up the cover. It's really cool. Um, the cover caught me. It's, this is YA. It's an anthology, and it features 13 different YA authors teaming up with influential like book bloggers on YouTube to reimagine classic fairy tales from the villain's point of view. Right? So some of the authors are like Marissa Meyer, Victoria Schwab. Adam Silver, or so Adam Silvera, Nicola Yoon, there's a bunch of them. So the cover is incredible. It's reimagined fairy tales from the villain's point of view. Like every aspect of that sentence made me more excited as I was reading it. So I'm real juiced for this.
1: Putting it on hold as Uh we speak. Which is another thing that happens when we do these episodes.
2: I'll be honest on this one. I sent it to my wife earlier this morning my lovely wife who purchases all the books that we already own, that one, uh, she pre-ordered she it before she even responded to me. She's like, yes, that, forever. So. You're up.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to try and mix this up so I don't... I don't know, maybe... No, we won't bore people with like a million marriage thrillers all in one game. I'm going to hop back and forth too, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to mix it up. Um... Let's see. Okay, this is a fun one: the many lives of Catwoman, the felonious history of a feline fatale. That is fun to say. By, it's a tongue twister. Yes, it is. I'm impressed. By, uh, by Tim Tim Hanley. Um, I was gonna laugh
2: if you messed up the name of the author instead, no. but while nailing the name of the book, Whew,
1: It's a rough one. <laughs> um, so, just reading from the description when. I mean, you know Catwoman. But um, when female-led comics were (laughs) were few and far between, Catwoman headlined her own series for over 20 years. True to her nature, Catwoman stole the show everywhere she appeared, regardless of the medium. But her unique path had its downsides as well. Her existence on the periphery of the superhero world made her expendable, and she was prone to lengthy absences. Her villainous origins also made her susceptible to sexualized and degrading depictions from her merely male creators in ways that most conventional heroines didn't face. Exploring the many incarnations of this cultural icon offers a new perspective on the superhero genre and showcases the fierce uh, resiliency that has made Catwoman a fan favorite for decades.
2: I am so on board with that. That makes, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: And also, now I want to watch... Batman Forever?
1: I think that's the one. I just watched The Dark Knight over the weekend. Long, not random. Like, that's not related at all, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome.
2: We watched Moana, even less related. (laughs) Which is also great. Oh, no, I'm on board for that. That sounds great. Uh, So, my next one, if I can find my screen, is called Fierce Kingdom by Jin Phillips.
1: I almost put that on, but I didn't. Yeah,
2: this one... it only takes a, a there's, the description I wrote is two sentences and I, it's like I think it sold it sold me. A woman and her young son are trapped in a zoo for hours as a gunman hunts them down. The Griffin novel all takes place over the course of three hours. I'm a big fan of books that take place over like a set amount of time. Like I always talk about, this is where it ends. the Same yeah. way, but um, yeah, I that that got me. I'm good to go. That's that's really all I need. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into any more of the description for that one, but Fierce Kingdom by Jin Phillips. Um, the idea of being trapped somewhere and someone tracking you down is always, it's super, like, it's almost like a mixture of claustrophobia and fear at the same time, but yes, agreed. I'm on board.
1: Agreed. Um, okay, next up, I have The Marriage Pact by Michelle Richmond. Also another marriage thriller, obviously. Um <laughs> Newlyweds Alice and Jake are uh, a picture-perfect couple. Alice, once a singer in a well-known rock band, is now a successful lawyer. Jake is a partner in an up-and-coming psychology practice. Their life together holds endless possibilities. After receiving an enticing wedding gift from one of Alice's prominent clients, they decide to join an exclusive exclusive, and mysterious group known only as The Pact. The goal of The Pact seems simple, to keep marriages happy and intact. And most of its rules make sense. Always answer the phone when your spouse calls. calls. Sure. Exchange thoughtful gifts monthly.
2: All right, that sounds intense. Like
1: a trip once per quarter. Never mention the pact to anyone. That's where things get a little weird. (laughs) So.
2: No, that sounds interesting. A gift every month and a trip every quarter. Yeah. I wish I could afford to take a trip every quarter. (laughs) That would be amazing. Um... My next one, is, speaking of covers that you should look up, Jill, since okay. we, we were just talking about something. Uh, the Last Magician by Lisa Maxwell.
1: Uh, I think I've seen this one.
2: So it's a fantasy adventure set in modern-day New York. What's it called again? The Last Magician. Uh, so it's a fantasy adventure set in modern-day New York, and it tells the tale of a thief named Esta. Uh esther spends her life or spends her days pilfering magical artifacts with the help of her time manipulating skills when esther is given her biggest mission yet she must travel to 1902 to steal an ancient tome from the order before they doom the future of new york's magical beings um we can get into this later if we have more time but I told you before we started recording, I am super back into Harry Potter right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm re-listening to all of the audiobooks because as soon as July rolls around, I start thinking about fall. And sure, And fall, fall makes me think of... Obviously. Like it's only two months away. Um, never mind the fact that it's 100 degrees outside right now. Uh, fall reminds me of Harry Potter. I always reread a lot of the books during fall and we we'll watch all the movies and all that good jazz. Um, and so because I'd have magic on the mind... This one has a snake on the cover. Do you know what
1: this cover reminds me of?
2: It reminds you of... Oh, man. As soon as you tell me, I'm going to know it. <laughs> um, you What? It's a never ending story. They're never... <laughs> that's exactly what it reminds you of. Me too. <laughs> Gosh. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's, just, that's what it reminds it looks, me, me of. A, the, it of looks like the front like of the, the front book of the that box. Balthazar mm-hmm. looks at. Yeah. Man. Anyway, that's The Last Magician by Lisa Maxwell, and I'm really into magic right now again, so that's why. I think there's like one or two other ones that have to do with magic on my list, and I didn't realize it until we got done and looked at my list.
1: That's fine. All right, you're up. Okay. Um, Policing the Black Man, Arrest, Prosecution, and Imprisonment by Angela J. Davis.
2: I almost added that.
1: (laughs) Um, So, a comprehensive, readable analysis of the key issues of the Black Lives Matter movement, this thought-provoking and compelling... Anthology features essays by some of the nation's most influential and respected criminal justice experts and legal scholars. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, at-
2: I'm gonna read it. I just didn't put it on my list because I thought you might. I feel like I can I can tell which nonfiction ones you're gonna put on yours. I think I might have one. We'll
1: find I, out. I only have
2: one nonfiction one. I'll say it now. Okay. What she ate by Laura Shapiro. No, I do. Nice. Okay. So this is six six remarkable women and the food that tells their stories. I'm a big foodie. I love cooking. I cook every meal in my house. Um, I have always been fascinated by food. Like I will watch shows like Chopped and things like that. Not not only because I love the shows, which I do, but because I will look at them and I'll see new things, new ingredients. That I'm like, ooh, I should, I want to try and cook with that. Um, but. This is, it's nonfiction, and it goes through uh, a bunch of different women, like Eleanor Roosevelt and Dorothy Wordsworth and uh, Eva Braun. Eva hmm. Braun? Eva, I believe. Eva, Adolf Hitler's mistress. And it goes through all of the different things that they did, like what they ate, basically. Like, huh. And I don't know, it just struck a chord with me. I was like, oh, that sounds really, really interesting. So, yeah. And the cover is very awesome, too. Sticks out. There's a green tomato on there, and I'm making fried green tomatoes tonight for dinner. So. That smells really good. I know. Ah. Making lots of noise over here. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um,
1: mm. Let's see. What's next? <laughs> I'm trying to keep things mixed up. I know. I'm doing this. I don't want to, like, front load all of them because some people get bored. They don't want to read those types of books. Okay. So, um, The Lion Game by Ruth Ware. Ah!
2: I knew you were going to put it on there, but I put it on my list anyway. You,
1: sh- you should have known better. I should have. Continue. Because I've talked about her other two books. So, Ruth Ware um, wrote In a Dark, Dark Wood and The Woman in Cabin 10. Um, and so, this is her newest suspense thriller. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself. I mean, if you yeah. are familiar with her books, she has a new one out called The Lion Game. Yeah. isn't
2: Basically, it's like... Uh, there's this group of people who they went to Yeah, they, went to, school they together. Yeah, they went to
1: boarding school together. Um, Ruth is British, so her, her characters are also um, from Britain and England. And, um, yeah, um, the four girls became inseparable and were notorious for playing the line game, telling lies at every turn to both boarders and faculty. Um, and then the complicated rules of the game restrict no lying to each other ever. But, yeah. Um, their little game had consequences, and the girls were all expelled in their final year of school under mysterious circumstances, surrounding the death of the school's eccentric art teacher. And um... yeah, they're like older.
2: <sighs> so irritated. I knew you were gonna put it on there <laughs> list. So yeah, I'm always yeah. similar with that too. Uh, my next one is called "What Goes Up" by Katie Kennedy. Um, I think this is technically. Y A, but it says juvenile on um, on our site. Uh, it's a hilarious sci fi story that follows three teenagers trying to save the world after being accepted into NASA's Multi World Agency. Which, what? Man, I want that to exist. Yep, uh, it's a story that involves aliens, interdimensional travel, alternate universes, and wild adventure. Um, so, it I think it's kind of like to me, it almost sounds like kind of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but for like Y A or like early teens. Yeah. So. Sounds like what you can get through really quickly, and um, same thing, fun cover. <laughs> A lot of the ones I saw this, this month were really cool covers that I was drawn to. It's
1: okay. Yeah. Whatever. Float your boat. Yeah. Um. Okay, What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens. Um, raised in Pennsylvania, Thandi views the world of her mother's childhood in Johannesburg as both impossibly distant and ever-present. She is an outsider wherever she goes, caught between being black and white, American and not. She tries to connect these disabled, uh, dislocated pieces of her life, and as her mother succumbs to cancer, Dandy searches for an anger, someone or something to love. Um, I have, like, read some of the reviews, and apparently, um, is just the writing is supposed to be phenomenal from what I have gathered, so.
2: I had this on my list and took it off, because I was like, it just feels like one we would both (laughs) talk about. (laughs) Yeah, right there with you. Uh, my next one is called "An Oath of Dogs" by Wendy Wagner. Um, this one is science fictiony, and so I'm gonna just go ahead and read that. It's it, this one is from a, a it's a much smaller publication, but the imprint is called Angry Robot, which is
1: funny. oh, I love Angry Robot. Yeah,
2: so Kate Standish has been out has been on the Forest World of I think it's Huggin' less than a week and she's already pretty sure her new company murdered her boss (laughs) yep but the little town of mill workers and farmers Uh... is more worried about eco-terrorism and a series of attacks by the bizarre sentient dogs of the planet than a death most people would like to believe is an accident that is until kate's investigation uncovers a conspiracy which threatens them all here's the thing i feel like the sentient dogs are probably going to be the bad guys and follow up i'm going to root for them the whole time (laughs)
1: For sure.
2: Yep, I literally st- i st- i saw a different uh, website talking about this book, and I stopped reading their description after I saw uh, a <laughs> planet filled with sentient dogs. Because I was like I don't need to hear anymore.
1: Pretty much. It's like Planet of
2: the Apes, but with dogs. Just an adorable Planet of the Apes. That's
1: not how Planet of the Apes works.
2: I know. That's why I said an adorable version of it. <sighs> Whatever. Okay. Um... Probably no relation to Planet of the Apes.
1: Probably not. Okay. Um, my next one is The Wildling Sisters by Eve Chase. When um, 15 year old Margot and her three sisters arrive at Applecott Manor in June 1959,
2: what? You like paused in the middle of the word. i was not
1: sure how to pronounce
2: it. <laughs> Sorry, I'll let you start over.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, uh, when they arrive, they expect a quiet English country summer. Instead, they find their aunt and uncle still reeling from the disappearance of their daughter Audrey five years before. As the sisters become divided by new tensions when two handsome neighbors drop by, Margot finds herself drawn into the life Audrey left behind. Um, Fifty years later, Jessie is desperate to move her family out of their London home where signs of her widower husband's previous wife around every corner. So, of course, she moves to the manor, because why not? Mm-hmm. And then, um, but Jessie finds herself increasingly isolated in their new sprawling home at odds with her 15-year-old stepdaughter and haunted by the strange rumors that surround the manor. So, Eve Chase wrote Black Rabbit Hall, which came out, I believe, last year, and I just adored it. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. So, I'm really looking forward to um, her new book. Nice.
2: Um, so, remember how I said I started thinking about fall? Yes. So there's a book coming out this month called The Witches of New York.
1: I almost put it on, but did not.
2: Yep, by Amy McKay. First off, her name is spelled A-M-I, which is my new favorite way to spell any name ever. <laughs> I am also aware that people whose names are spelled a certain way is probably because that's the way their parents wrote it. But regardless, shout out to Amy McKay's parents because I love the way that you spelled your daughter's name. There you go. So this one, The Witches of New York. It's described as being wonderfully wicked and deliciously dark. The witches of New York had me totally spellbound. Reminiscent of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, Amy McKay has written a book brimming with atmosphere, intrigue, and a cast of mesmerizing characters. Um, that is the write-up by Hazel Gaynor. Basically, uh, New York in the spring of 1880 is a place alive with wonder and curiosity, determined to learn the truth about the world as residence, its residents, enthusiastically engage in both scientific experimentation and spiritualistic pursuits. Sances are the entertainment of choice in exclusive social circles, and many enterprising women find work as mediums. Uh, when 17-year-old Beatrice leaves the safety of her village to answer an ad that reads, Respectable lady seeks dependable shop girl. Those averse to magic need not apply. She has little inclination of what the job will demand of her, um, but it goes from there. So again, another cover that's really cool, and had witches in it, and it sounded super interesting. Which is the ransom of fall. You can see where I've gone. I'm with this. you.
1: I'm with you. Um, okay. Sorry to disrupt the piece by Patty Yumi Cottrell. Mm-hmm. Um uh Helen is um a woman single, childless, living in New York City, and uh she gets news that her adoptive brother has died. And um they seem to believe that he killed himself. Um Buys a ticket to Milwaukee to go figure out what happened, um, to investigate his death And there. She searches her childhood home and attempts to uncover why someone chooses to die. She will face her strange family, her brother's two friends, and the overzealous grief counselor. She may also discover what it truly means to be alive. Um, so it's described as a bleakly comic tour de force. Amazing. By turns poignant, uproariously funny, and viscerally unsettling. And it's a debut, so, um... It just sounds like a very unique voice uh, and someone to watch out for. So that's Sorry to Disrupt the piece by Patty Unique-Adrel.
2: That sounds a lot like it reminds me of um, Dead Letters, which is a book by Kate Dolan-Leach who we had on the podcast, but kind of similar about going back and investigating a, a death. And if you read Dead Letters after listening to Kate, it sounds like you like this one as well. That letters was awesome. I assume this one will be as well. What was the full
1: name of that one one more time for me? Sorry to disrupt the
2: piece. Yeah, I'm on board for that. Um, My last one, since I fully put a few on that you, or two on that you had. Uh, Daughter of the Burning City by Amanda Foody. Again, incredible cover. Holy buckets is this cover really cool. (laughs) Um, So this one is a dark fantasy set at a traveling carnival. I could stop right there. Uh What? I could stop right there, but I'm gonna keep going. Don't
1: oversell it. I'm just kidding.
2: (laughs) Dark fantasy set in a traveling carnival known as the Gamora Festival, uh, where 16-year-old Serena has grown up as the only illusion worker born in hundreds of years. Her, I know. Her illusions make up the freak show within the festival. Each illusion having its own distinct personality. That is, until someone manages to kill one of her illusions, sending her on a journey to find the culprit that is slowly killing her gift and the illusions she loves. It's YA, and I'm going to read it immediately. Cannot wait. It smells so
1: good. I know. And,
2: again, did you look at the cover?
1: I'm looking at it right now. Or I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Looking it up. And there's up. a
2: rhyme on the cover, too. <laughs> wicked, wicked to the core, the city will burn forevermore.
1: Ugh, that's so good, game. Yeah. Man. And by
2: the way, we should point out, we we always talk about how great covers look. Um, we should give some love to the people who actually put the, go- the covers together because the authors don't have any say in that. And a lot of the times, like the the publishers will have final say what the cover looks like. Yes. But the people that they all find, it, it's, when you find a good book cover, it's so important because a lot of people do. They literally judge a book by its cover, which you shouldn't. That said, great books, with also good covers are also, are always fun. So.
1: Indeed. That's my whole list. So okay. So you're up. Okay. I have a couple more.
2: The floor is yours.
1: Um, let's see. Dangerous Ground, My Friendship with a Serial Killer Ooh. by M.W. Phelps. He was a... Uh, he was doing a... Hold on. He was doing a um, reality-based TV show... And he decided to um, be co- ask a serial killer to be a consultant for the TV series. Um, uh-huh. So under the codename Raven, the murderer shared his insights into the minds of other killers and helped analyze their crimes. And then as a series, um, which I'm actually not sure if they don't have the title of the TV show. Um, as the series became an international sensation, Raven became Phelps' unlikely confident ally and friend. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Then I have Watch Me Disappear by Janelle Brown. It's been a year since Billy Flanagan went on a solo hike in Desolation Wilderness and vanished from the trail. Her body was never found. Um, Her husband and teenage daughter have been coping after her death. He drinks and works on a memoir while the daughter grows remote, both from her father and friends at the all-girls school she attends. But then the daughter starts having strange visions of her mother still alive. Um, and then as they sort of start to deal with this, they start to unearth some secrets about the mom's past. Mm. Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. I, Did I you had one? that,
2: but I removed it.
1: Um, Presley, Freshly disengaged from her fiancé, feeling that life has not turned out quite the way she planned, 30-year-old Ruth quits her job, leaves town, and arrives at her parents' home to find the situation more complicated than she realized. Her father is losing his memory, and her mother is, um... Well, actually, I have to read this full line for the full impact. Her father, a prominent history professor, is losing his memory and is only erratically lucid. Her mother is lucidly erratic. But as her dad's condition intensifies, the comedy in her situation takes hold, gently transforming her all... Her all. Okay, well, that's a misprint, so... Um, <laughs> gently transforming her and her grief. Um... And then finally, I'm just gonna let this title kind of speak for itself. Okay. In the days of rain, a daughter, a father, a cult.
2: I saw that one too.
1: By S- Rebecca Sott.
2: Yes, this is so good. So
1: it's a memoir about. Uh, oh no! So I'm saying it for itself. That's what I said.
2: It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it like look, it looks super amazing. I think people will really like that one. I'm excited
1: to. I'm excited for to read sure. that one too. So. so.
2: That's our list. That's
1: our list for July. Yeah.
2: Um, again, if you see some books that. You read that you don't see us mentioning, shoot us an email, shoot us a tweet. Um, By design, we try to pick books that aren't just, like, sure-thing bestsellers. You can find what you know will be best. Like, if James Patterson releases a book, it's going to be a bestseller. And they very well may be very good, but we probably aren't going to talk about it just because we know that James Patterson is going to, like, you'll find that book Correct. organically. So some of these are big releases. We talk about big releases now and then, but some of them are tiny little imprints that we just dug through and got interested in. So there's a little bit of everything in there for us. Um,
1: yeah. I think that's it.
2: Cool. Awesome. Well, again, for our U.S. listeners, hope you guys had a happy fourth for everyone around the world. I hope you had a happy Thursday if you listen to this. Well,
1: I hope our Canadian listeners had a good Canada day. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I saw you tweet about that as well.
1: I did. Yeah.
2: Good job by you. Um, But yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, Check the show notes. And we're good. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
1: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.